0: everybody. Welcome to LettermanRow.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Buyers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, head to BuyersAuto.com and check out their selection of new and used cars anywhere in Central Ohio. They're all over the place. If you're looking for stuff, well, then you're in the right spot because that's what we're talking about here on the show. I will be joined by Zach Carpenter and Of course, Spencer Holbrook, we're going to talk about where we spent the last week, which recruits we saw, and uh, anything else that we deem important in the world of Ohio State football recruiting. So let's get to the show. Welcome back to Talking Stuff. We're started. Spencer will join us in a moment, but for the minute, uh, at the beginning of the show, it's just me and Zach, because I wanted to get a little bit of a deeper dive into Zach's last week. We did not have an episode last week because Zach was on the road, uh, I was on the road a little bit, and Zach was in North Carolina, South Carolina. You were on the border, right? Yeah, border it's
1: like, it's like five ten miles from uh, from Charlotte. So it's basically a Charlotte suburb down uh, Catawba Ridge,
0: right. So you were in Catawba Ridge for a week. Why the heck would one person go to Catawba Ridge, South Carolina for a week zach
1: for the for the barbecue in Charlotte, obviously, what other reason would I go? Um yeah, it was it was an opportunity I got that um it, it was one of my favorite opportunities I've ever gotten the chance to do. I I went down to South Carolina, Catawba Ridge High School to see um Jaden Davis. Uh he's Ohio State's top quarterback target in the 2024 class. Uh he camped at Ohio State and was I mean, probably the best offensive player uh, regardless of class, one of them at least. Yeah. Um and Went down there to get an exclusive sort of week in life behind the scenes um of, of a basically a five-star quarterback. And funny story, I pitched the idea to go down and then uh it was approved. Uh it was approved and um two days later he was ranked as the number one overall player. So that was perfect timing. Um, but yeah, I I, I went down, I sat in on every practice they had. I um I sat in on the film sw- uh, film session they had that week was is probably the most um important aspect of the whole trip other than the game itself um i got into the locker room um pregame and at halftime just really it was like an all-access behind the scenes deal with jaden um sort of just about the rise of uh of a of a um a young quarterback five-star caliber guy and it was really really it like went pretty much to perfection for how i envisioned it yeah. because i got to see the first like I talked to quarterback trainers, coaches, Jaden himself about his actual mechanics, like what makes him such a uh, such a great quarterback prospect. I talked about um, his offense, um, how it's basically ripped straight from Oklahoma, uh, how he fits Ohio State's offense and all that. I got into his family life. I like I really got to know his parents like on a deeper level in his family. And then my plan was for that all to culminate on game night into one like you see all the aspects of, of this whole week at play. And that's exactly what happened in like the most perfect way possible. Because um, I don't think I told you this, that like, it was way better that they struggled. So they struggled in the first half at seven, seven, which was yeah. better than just blowing them out or them getting blown out seven, seven. And like, I, w- it was like the scene in saving private Ryan, when Tom Hanks, like, you're not going to be less than five feet away from me. And that's not negotiable. I was basically, when Jaden was on the sideline, I was, Within 10 feet of him when they're doing like mid-game film sessions and everything. And I mean, he had a couple bad passes. He had a couple that could have been intercepted. He wasn't playing well. Team wasn't playing well. Frustrations are flying. And he's just like the face of calm. Like everything I heard about him all week, he was just very calm when everyone was struggling. And he was like, he was encouraging. He was just completely level-headed and focused. The halftime locker room was 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 awesome because he like he stood up, gave this fiery, passionate speech that I can only Repeat like half of what he said, obviously, but he just kept saying, like he kept repeating the same phrase. It's gonna pop off, it's gonna pop off, which means like the offense uh, to perfect. me, to offense me, that's just vodka. Perfect. That's just
0: vodka to me. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say we might have definite different definitions of what it's gonna pop off means, but he just kept saying that. And then um the one of the game-breaking plays, one of his teammates right behind me just says quietly, jane's gonna make a play. Boom, 25-yard completion, boom, touchdown, 14-7. And that all culminated in like the biggest play of the night where in the film session, in the film session on Tuesday before the, the Friday night game, there was one play that they, they noticed like uh, they designed uh, whenever they go trips, um, their opponent's backside safety creeps up. And like as their coach, Zach Lendak, as he's explaining to Jaden like what they want to do, he just cuts them off. He goes, yeah, I'll hit the X post. He's like, yep. And then they set it up all game. And then, boom, you see him. He rolls out. You can see it in the clip I put on Twitter. Rolls out to the left, sets his feet, and you see the backside safety creep up. Uh, receiver in single coverage beats his man, and Jaden just throws a laser with, like, the perfect amount of touch. Boom, 21-70 comes over, just yelling, this is my city. Like, it, it was just – like, it was an electric moment that, like – all His suburb.
0: It's did. his suburb. It's his real. suburb.
1: Well, yeah, well, I guess Fort Mill, it was a heated rivalry game and everything. It was just – it was an awesome week that like culminated pretty much perfectly. And it was cool because we, I mean, I went down there not wanting to talk about the Justin Fields comparisons because you'd already yeah. written about that. But then you go down there and it's like, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at everything that he compares to Justin Fields with like his throwing motion, uh, his, the way he claps for the, uh, the snap, like um, the like focused look that he has when he has the helmet on. And then his mannerisms, the way uh, just the way he responds to questions like they had the same like stammers when Justin Fields was going through press conferences at Ohio State. Jaden has the same like basically the same uh, cadence as he talks, but it was just a very is it it is an in-depth series as a five part series. And I hope people um, will take some time to go read that uh, on our site. But
0: yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, I thought you did a really great job with that. I mean. Uh, obviously for people watching this, like they heard me just glowing about what I saw out of Jaden on the field in June. And as we've gotten to know him over these last few months, it does seem very obvious that people know that he's from, from the Georgia, you know, from Georgia originally, people are going to try to assume that he's going to follow Justin Fields footsteps and go to Georgia. Some people oh, he's in South Carolina, he's going to go to Clemson. Like, as we look at this with, again, take it with a grain of salt because there's two years of high school left for Jaden Davis, probably. I mean, I guess we could ask about that reclassification thing again six months from now, maybe it changes. But um, this kid, the, the Ohio State interest is extremely real for Jaden Davis, so real that he's returning to campus uh, for the Oregon game in two weeks. It's an opportunity for him to, to see the, the program up close again. And I'm telling you, and I, this is Zach. I mean, you, you have a, probably a good feel for him right now. I think this opportunity in the class of 23, especially if Ohio State isn't able to reel in Drew Aller, who I went and saw on Friday. We'll talk about that once we bring Spencer on. Um, If they don't bring in Drew Aller, then that 23 class becomes a totally different thing in my mind. And I I wonder how receptive Jaden would be to that idea of reclassifying. Did you get any sense of that?
1: I got the sense that it's not because I asked directly and I, I got the sense that it's something that they've kind of thought about, but not really. It's, it's still too early. Um, They want, they want this season to play out. They want to see how recruiting quarterback recruiting dominoes fall over the, uh, over the course of the next, next year. And remember he was originally in the, the twenty three, right, and then reclassified to 2024. So I do think it's a possibility, um, but that's not something that they've really taken a deep dive into yet. And I do think if, if something like I know we'll talk about Drew Aller in a second, but I think that if if Ohio State winds up offering, if they do flip him from Penn State, that basically, like like we've talked about, resets the, the quarterback timeline because it was a perfect, it was a perfect scenario. Um, just looking at it through the Jaden Davis lens, perfect right. scenario of yours comes in 2022, starts in 23 and 24, and then someone like a Jaden Davis comes in and sits for one year in 24 and then starts the next two seasons because he's not someone who he's someone who wants to come in and learn a system, a college system for a year, get all that under his belt while uh, like, while not playing, maybe playing in um, not garbage time, but uh, not playing a ton of meaningful snaps in in his first year and then start his second and third year. So that was the perfect scenario originally lined up at Ohio state. And now it, it's just, it's incredibly interesting to see how these are going to fall. These dominoes are going to fall and like the 23 class. I know Nico's their number one target and they might wind up going the graduate transfer route. Um, of some yeah. sort. I'm, I'm wondering if that winds up being the case to kind of reset this timeline. There's
0: so many dominoes at play. And I wanted to just start this episode of talking stuff presented by buyers auto, just with me and Zach. So people could talk a little bit more about this Jaden Davis thing. If you haven't read it, Go to lettermanrow.com. Make sure you read all of Zach's work on Jaden Davis, the five-part series. It was really great. Uh, We are going to take a break, let the sponsors do their thing on the internets, and uh, we'll be right back with Spencer Holbrook joining us. Okay, we're back. Spencer's here. Hi, Spencer. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, You know, Spencer, we were talking about uh, quarterback recruiting in the class of 2024 but we'd be remiss if we didn't start talking about 22 because the questions are coming fast and furious from people out there about the class of 2022 and quarterback situation. And I wrote about it on Monday on Letterman Monroe. I really think at this point it's likely Drew Aller or bust in the class of 2022 when it comes to a prep quarterback. I do think obviously Ohio State is likely to be forced to search for a transfer uh, after the season, whether it's a grad transfer, whether it's a transfer with some extra time, because now it doesn't matter since you can automatically be eligible. I think that is up in the air, but uh, clearly whoever leaves the Ohio State quarterback room uh, and how many guys leave the quarterback room changes a lot of these things. But Drew Aller, who I saw on Friday night uh, as Medina played Avon, Uh, I think that he's going to be that guy. Drew told me on Friday, Ohio State has still not reached out to him. I have heard from multiple people at Ohio State that they are 100% going to be reaching out to him. So the question is, when does it happen? Is there a best timeline? Are they trying to formulate like the perfect plan to go ahead and say, okay, this is what we need to, to present to him? I mean, it's just such a weird dynamic because I'm telling you guys, like a year ago, a year ago in November, like the week before Quinn Ewers, Decided he was going to decommit from Texas. Like, I swear, Ohio State was like this close to offering Drew Aller at that time because he was blowing up the state playoffs in Ohio. He was dominating really good teams. He seemed to play the perfect role for Ohio State with what they were going to do with CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord. And then everything sort of changed. And like we were talking about right before the break, Spencer, is that these quarterback dominoes, like, there is no easy plan because the plan keeps changing because the dominoes keep being picked up and moved and like, how the hell do you play dominoes anymore?
2: Well, it's all coming pretty fast and pretty furious. Like you said, maybe too fast and too furious if I, if I will, but at this point I'm not going to be surprised if Ohio state reaches out to Drew Aller on Saturday, because if you think about it, August is over. The recruiting dead period is over. Then Ohio state plays on a Thursday night, And high schools just happen to play on Friday nights. And so then you have your Saturday off, and Drew Aller, the day after Drew Aller plays, Ohio State has off, and it's not a dead period anymore. So I feel like this is the perfect opportunity for Ohio State to officially say, hey, why don't you uh, try to come to a game? Why don't we start start to formulate some conversations here? And the first week that they talk to him, they can say, hey, we're about to beat the crap out of Oregon. And then when we beat Penn State, you'll really, you know, that'll really ramp up the ju- – I just think this is like the perfect time for Ohio State to start talking to them.
0: And there's at least an outside chance that Wisconsin beats Penn, Penn State on Saturday. And so you start to feel like maybe there's a – you can exploit a crack there, I guess. I don't know. But, Zach, here's the thing for me. Like uh, the dead period is over in a couple of days here. Ohio State can go watch Drew Eller play on Friday night. They don't – they can just show up and watch him play, uh, which I think – it would be a, a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out for him. But at this point, as, as Spencer said, you have to Fast and Furious 9 uh, this situation, don't you? You got to, like, go all in. You got to pull out Vin Diesel, The Rock, John Cena, everybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, one would say that you have to do a little Tokyo drift into, into recruiting Drew Aller. How, how'd I do? How'd I do? Spencer, I'm rate not. it. You have one to ten. Uh, I'm gonna give it a six. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't even know. it's better than what I thought. Actually, I don't I even know
0: how. Yeah, I don't even know how you Tokyo drift into a recruitment. I mean, I think you need to go all in here if you're Ohio State. Um, and does that start on Friday by just going to see him play and just showing up?
1: Well, it it is interesting because I mean, the in person evaluation of, of quarterbacks is something that's been a staple for Ohio State staff. They've they've hammered that point home over and over. And I know I'm wondering if that they, first of all, I do think they need to see him in person because um, I talked to, I, I, I've talked to uh, his, one of his quarterback trainers, Brad Mendler, and he talked to me about his complete, the complete retooling of his mechanics that he's uh, undergone the past two years. Um, so I think if, if the Buckeye staff sees that up close and gets that thorough evaluation sees that, I'm wondering if that could wind up being the last step, the next step uh, in them, um, and then officially wanting to wanting to go all in on an offer. What did you notice, Berm, um, from from him mechanically, uh, decision making wise? What, what did you notice from him when you saw him?
0: I mean, I was really impressed. I mean, I, I'd seen Drew, you know, last summer uh, at, at the um, the Obetz, the Fortress at Obex, the camp there. I saw him at the Elite Eleven. Uh, the difference between last year and now is is like is night and day. I mean, it, it is a huge jump he's made physically. The kid is a college ready quarterback, six foot five, 230 pounds. Like he he has done the work. And I, I think that Ohio State, again, I don't like I don't like to say that they're late on someone because you're not late in this situation. They had a commitment from Quinn Ewers, the number one quarterback in the country, a generational quarterback talent. They were recruiting Drew Aller. They liked a lot of what they saw to Drew Aller, but every coach in the country would have picked Quinn Ewers over Drew Aller at that point. And I don't think it's fair to say that they missed or that they were behind, but I think it's obvious that at this juncture, they're behind. And now like you've lost a year of, of development and relationship. Uh, and I think Ohio State has a couple approaches here. Number one, it's his dream school. You gotta try to, that that dream can be a reality. Here it is. Number two, Mike Yersich, who is leading the charge for Penn State, Ryan Day can very simply say, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, Mike Yersich has been at three schools in three years. He was running my offense at Ohio State when he became a hot commodity as far as, you know, going to Texas and Penn State. Um, the, the depth chart at Ohio State is pretty favorable at this point. You come in, you sit for a year, you then are fighting for a job uh, pretty much. And, and at the very least, you figure that he's the starter by the year, of, by 2024. Um, so there, there's a lot of ways to 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 spill this. But as far as what the Buckeyes are looking for, I mean, I I don't know, Spencer, I just don't think they're going to offer anybody else if it's not Aller in the class of 2022. The top 34 guys are committed. There's just no one else.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. If it's not Drew Aller, then I think you just take a loss on the, you don't really take a loss, but because the quarterback room's loaded, but you just kind of take your, take it to 23 and just, well, you take,
0: yeah, you take a different route, but I don't even think that they will. Honest to God, I, I really think, the situation that they have is such that they can still do what they were going to do in 23, if they can find a good transfer. And that's why the game has changed so much, but I mean, I don't know. It just seems like, how do you, how do you handle that?
2: And I think that's another reason why Ohio state might want to slow play this, even if they need to get in this battle for Drew, I'm not going to call it a battle yet, but if they need to get in the conversations with Drew Allen, you know, they need to do that soon, but they also have the option of slow playing it and just seeing what happens, seeing if he, If there's some mutual interest there, which we believe there is, and if there is, then it's just icing on the cake of what is already a loaded quarterback room. If there's not, then you're going to the transfer portal anyways in in this offseason, finding a quarterback, and then going all in at 23. It it really, like you said, Berm, it really doesn't change. Everybody freaked out when Quinn Ewers decided he was going to to come early. Nothing really changes for the Ohio State quarterback room other than who might be taking the snaps.
0: Yeah, what changes is that, if guys transfer, things change drastically. So you just don't know. I, I believe that Drew Aller will pick up the phone when Ryan Day and Ohio State called him. I have no real feel slash read on on what he will do after that. I think that it is extremely hard to look at what he's helped build at Penn State and easily peel him away from it. But the Buckeyes would have to have something very – concrete and special to say this is this is what it's going to be for you here right but
2: but if you look sorry zach i i I don't mean to take over here but i really want to talk i haven't talked in a while i'm really dying over here i'm shaking i just real quick if you look at the way james franklin has developed which i would not use the word developed um his quarterback uh so uh, sean clifford not liam clifford sean clifford if you look at the way that sean clifford's been developed then you look at any quarterback since Ryan Day took over at Ohio State and the way they've been developed, not only is it the dream school, not only is there the Mike Yurisich factor of Ryan Day knowing exactly who Mike Yurisich is and knowing who James Franklin is, but then it's just, okay, do you want to be developed by Ryan Day or do you want to be developed or not developed by whoever James Franklin has as his offensive coordinator? And that's the bottom line. And if, if Drew Allers still wants to be a part of that Penn State class, which he helped build, I would completely understand if he wanted to, then you just, like I said, you take the wash, you go to 23. Go ahead, Zach.
1: I mean, that's pretty much exactly the point that I was going to bring up is, do you guys kind of feel like that it comes down to what what do you think is most valuable to Drew Allard, like potentially starting at two years at Penn State and uh, going that development route or most realistically getting just one year to start at Ohio State and being surrounded by that? that uh, receiver talent and that coaching staff. I mean, I I feel like that might be what it comes down to in the bare bones of the
0: recruitment. I I think a lot of that comes down to coaching consistency. I think that if if there is, like I said, a a crack to exploit, it might be Mike Yurcich's track record. Um, I also think that it's easy to point to Christian Hackenberg and his uh, lack of development when James Franklin got to Penn State. Trace McSorley certainly was explosive and had dynamic seasons, but a lot of that was under Joe Moorhead. And then once he left, you see what their offense done. This is an offense that is in dire straits as far as trying to prove that they can renovate and, and update and be, you know, a modern offense. So if they come out of the gate and struggle, I, I think that there's an opportunity for Ohio State. I don't want to spend too much more time on that. We're, we're pushing minutes here. Spencer, Let's just get straight to it, man. You're you're the MC when it comes to in or out. Let's let's do a couple and then uh, we'll get folks out of here.
2: Um, all right. Let's uh, twenty three. The twenty twenty three class, correct? Sure. Whatever. Let's uh, let's go. Uh, let's just start with a big one. Carnell Tate
1: out. In. I, I say out. I think. I mean, that that's what I wanted to bring up about the Ohio State versus Notre Dame battle because it feels like it's been an Ohio state versus Notre Dame battle before he even got offered by either, by either program. I know when he was offered by each one, he talked about how it was his dream school or uh, how like that. He basically talked like he was already committed um, when I talked to him about his Ohio state offer, but um, it, it does come down to, again, we talk talked about that development route. Um, but I, I know that Notre Dame is pushing the, the receiver depth at Ohio state as, uh, as something to be on, Uh, a positive for them because you do have but but when you look at it in the in the 21 class I think the only guys who would be that bigger body longer receiver at Ohio State the main guys he would be competing with would be Marvin Harrison uh Marvin Harrison Jr and uh maybe Kojo uh Kojo Antwi I don't know I I can't remember if the development path is as him as an outside receiver but I know he's a little he's a little less long I think he's like six foot 160 compared to Carnell like 6'2", 180. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you take it from here uh, just
0: based on the receiver depth. Yeah, I I think it's an in, and I think it's because that receiver depth piece is being misrepresented, as you said. I don't know that by the time that Carnell Tate in the class of 2023 arrives on campus at Ohio State or Notre Dame, Julian Fleming will be gone, Jackson Smith and Jigba will be gone, Garrett Wilson will be gone, Chris Olave will be gone, You're probably having at that point one more season of Omeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison. Then you have the class of 2022 with Keon Grays and Kojo Antwi, Caleb Brown, who's kind of a combo guy, uh, and uh, Caleb Burton, who are all sort of similar. Kojo and uh, and, uh, Keon and Caleb are all that six foot, 175 pounder, the the Garrett Wilson types, uh, Chris Olave types. And then you see what I think with Carnell Tate, maybe that six two and a half, six three, bigger, longer. I I don't know. I, I just feel like I I can't bet against Brian Hartline in these battles. And I just I think it's an end for Ohio State. I really do. I, I also think it's interesting. Notre Dame's gonna send like five coaches to the IMG LaSalle game on Friday night uh, in Cincinnati. I don't know if Brian Hartline and the Buckeyes are intending to be there, but I'd certainly be shocked if they weren't there and that sort of opportunity again, just to get FaceTime with these kids anytime they can, two weekends in a row for Caleb or Caleb Burton for uh, Colonel Tate here in, in Ohio. Um, you know, I just think that the Buckeyes are going to are going to find a way to get that done. Uh, the, he, he is visiting Notre Dame the weekend before his announcement on October 8th. So here's, here's the thing I'm just going to throw out there. That's a Friday night right? Wherever he commits, I think he's going to be on Saturday, October 9th. So he's visiting Notre Dame the weekend before. Is he going to go back there on the day after? He's going to be home for the week. They're on break from IMG, and I think he's going to be at whatever school. So it's interesting he's going to Notre Dame before. So I mean, I guess he could go two weekends in a row. I don't know where Notre Dame's at on the night, but that's just my wheels turning.
1: Right. I mean, what, 99 times out of 100, once they set a commit date, they already know where they're going to go. And I believe, didn't he already tell Chad Simmons he knows which yeah. school he's going to pick? So it could be, I guess, um, I hadn't thought of it through that lens of he could be sort of, I mean, the weekend before potentially uh, fanning the flames or settling, whatever
0: the phrase is to, to Notre Dame staff. Um, uh, yeah, thanks. anything's possible, right? Anything's possible. Okay, next one. Go, Spencer. I know you we got we got to shut the
2: shutter down here to let people uh, uh, a more here. AJ Harris. I, I still I'm calling out. And I still, I, still feel good about him. But
1: Clemson and Georgia, they've come on a lot stronger than I thought they were going to if we were sitting here a month or two ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I I, I just don't know. I mean, I think this is one of those situations where similar to like uh, Chris McClellan in the class of 2022, the longer he doesn't commit to Ohio state, the worse it gets for the Buckeyes. And so uh, I've had AJ as an in. I still think I have him as an in, but I, I definitely think it's like, I don't like to be that guy. I don't like percentages, but I think it's like, 52 to 48 at this point between Ohio state and George or Clemson and Alabama and Notre Dame. I, I really think that it's uh it's certainly tightened up. I still have him in that October 9th visit that he's making to Ohio state for the Maryland game is just huge. I still,
1: I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm 53% and 47% out. How about that? Um, no. I, I still, right. I still feel right now I say in, I'm on the same wavelength, but I'm not confident about it. I know, I mean the weekend at the opening that week they spent with playing basically on a potential future Ohio State defense essentially. I know that was a big week as far as relationship building goes, but like I mean
0: definitely on the same page there. Uh, All right, Spencer. Last last one or last two? How many you got?
2: Uh Part of the way. Last two. Uh Richard Young. I, I'm
0: gonna say in. I think Richard Young is in. I think Ohio State has separated itself from alabama georgia clemson florida in florida state in that battle again though take it with a grain of salt because this is a kid in florida you just never know but and you don't know what happens on ohio state's coaching staff if by some twist of fate tony alfred ends up getting a job somewhere as a head coach or an assistant co- offensive coordinator and wants to move on then the whole thing maybe needs a reset but for right now if i had to pick today unequivocally he's in
1: I would say in, but I'm not as, I'm not as completely sold. Okay. And last one, uh, Troy Bowles. I'm going to say in think, um, I know when he camped at Ohio state um, just, it seems like the Al Washington's his, his coaching style, it would be a good fit for, for, uh, for Troy and what, uh, what he's looking for. I know um, Todd Bowles who, is the defensive coordinator at Tampa Bay Bucks, and I'm a chiefs fan. So he was my least favorite guy to meet, uh, at the Ohio state camps. But I mean, I think, I think that sort of that, that foundation that was set there, um, would be, I, I think that's, that's working in Ohio state's favor. So I would, I would say in as of
0: today. Yeah. I mean, I I've seen the crystal balls out there. I've seen the future casts. I know they're out there. I'm aware of them. Um, I certainly take those things seriously. I just don't know yet from a numbers perspective what Ohio State's looking for uh, at linebacker. I think that there's a clear need since they're only going to sign two linebackers in the class of 2022 um, to go out there and go heavy at that position in 23. Obviously, there's the question marks with Sonny Styles as far as what position he really actually is. I know they really like that Tamir Robinson in Pittsburgh that I saw last week. Um, and Troy is much more of this combination bullet slash linebacker, the court Williams type. And so because he's in that role and not a traditional outside linebacker or, a, or a Mike, I, I also am going to say in. Um, and I think it's because I don't see Al Washington leaving Ohio state for quite a while. And so I feel comfortable with that. And I, these NFL coaches, the kids that have NFL coaches for parents or other you know college coaches for parents these kids and their parents love what the Ohio State coaching staff is about. And I think that even just a five hour opportunity to see that in person like he got in June is enough to make him uh, really uh, believe that Ohio State's a place for him. And I think that maybe that's, you know, one of the earlier commitments. I don't think it's happening like next week or whatever, but I, I could see it happening this, this fall. That's it, that's it for me. That's, it. that's all I got. I mean that is the that that's, is that's the perfect eight. ending. That is the perfect ending. Everybody's in. Every commit in America. Every recruit in America is going to Ohio State. Everyone, so you're welcome. That's Zach uh, Carpenter, Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been talking stuff. Brought to you by Buyers Automotive. If you're heading for looking for a car, head to Buyers Auto. If you're looking for stuff, stay here. Head to Letterman Thanks for watching.